Time flies, they say, when you're having fun, right? Okay, all right. Have you guys had fun? Good, good. I've had fun as well. I really enjoyed getting to know uh, a lot of you and uh, your counselors and your pastors. And you guys, you guys have, have a lot going for you. Praise the Lord for that. We've, we've really enjoyed. Thank you so much for taking in my daughter and I during this time. And anyways, it's crazy. I, I just I can't believe we're already we're already at the end. We're already at the last the last service, the last sermon. So uh, we've already answered four questions. We have one more question to answer. Uh, we're looking at ten verses. Five sermons for ten verses, and the first, the first question we answered was, who is Jesus? And who is Jesus? He's our God, and He's our Lord, and He's our Savior, right? And then uh, the second question is, what is the gospel, right? Remember those four words that help us understand the gospel? God, man, Christ, response, okay? The third sermon was, oh, cost of discipleship. And who knows those three things? We are to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Him. And then the fourth sermon, last sermon, what, do we, what question do we answer? What is most important? And what is the most important thing? To know Christ, right? We're willing to, live, to lose our lives for Christ's sake, right? Uh, we're willing to lose our lives because we know that we could, if we could gain the whole world, but we lost our soul, we would be the biggest loser in the end, right? It's better to lose our lives for Christ's sake. And whenever we lose our life, it's only then we find it, right? So let's look, uh, uh, let's, let's uh, go ahead and jump into our text. Uh, let's go ahead and read verse 23 through 26. If you remember, there's 23 is the statement of what we must do. And then 24, 25, and 26 are why, uh, or explanation of, of verse number 23. All right, so verse number 23, it says, And he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words... Of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. So the text is verse number 26, Luke 9, 26. And the question that we're answering is, are you ashamed of Christ? Are you ashamed of Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time you've given us. Open up our hearts to receive your message. Change our hearts. Conform our hearts to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, what does it mean to be ashamed of someone or something? Maybe you guys can help me out with that, with that definition. What does it mean to be ashamed of someone or something? Is that a hand or is that an itch? Uh, it's, is it a hand? All right, go ahead. Embarrassed. You're embarrassed of someone or something. Someone else have another example? To be ashamed of someone or something. Now, yes. Not want to be associated with someone. Disappointed in someone, right? When you're ashamed of someone or something, it's usually not a good thing. Now, whenever I was a kid, uh, I used to play baseball. And uh, there was a lot of other Daniels. Uh, I don't know, Daniel was a very popular name in, in my generation. There was always another Daniel in the team. So I would, I would, they would call me DJ because my middle name is James, Daniel, James, DJ, right? But my mom would never call me DJ. She would call me Deej. 
And that was the most embarrassing thing in the whole wide world to me because my mom was the loudest uh, in the whole stands. And, and you could hear all the way on the other side of the baseball field, come on, Deej. And I was like, Mom, my name's not Deej. It's DJ, not Deej. And so, anyways, I remember that. And I was so embarrassed every time. And she was always the loudest. And everyone else, said, you know, their parents would be just like this. And my mom would, she'd have the, you know, the banners and she'd be dressed in the colors and she'd have the face paint on. And she'd, yeah. And she didn't have the face paint. I'm just kidding. But, uh, but she was this, she was the one. That, so, there were, there were times where I've been embarrassed, and maybe there's some times uh, that, that our parents embarrass us. I think that's part of our job uh, as, is to embarrass our kids. But, you know, I can think of several times in my, in my past growing up that, that I kind of felt embarrassed or, or ashamed of my parents. But uh, our text is talking about being ashamed of Christ, the very one who left the splendors of heaven and humbled himself to become one of his own creation, who was born in the lowliest of places, lived a meager, unassuming life. He was the servant to everyone. He died a cruel death for those who hated him. And he continues to intercede for us, those who are saved. And he's preparing us a place in heaven. And he's done so much and he is doing so much for us. Why in the world would we be ashamed of him? We should be ashamed of being ashamed of Jesus, right? This is not the only time we, we see these similar words. In fact, just, just like we did this morning, I want to look at a few more passages of Scripture. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. Matthew 10, 32, 33. Jesus says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men... Him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. It's really similar language, except instead of being ashamed of, it's confess. And really, it's the same thing, is it not? Because if you're ashamed, you're not going to confess. I'm not going to say, hey, that's my mom. She's the one with, you know, the, the banner and waving, you know. If I'm ashamed, I'm not going to be confessing her, right? If you're ashamed of Christ, you're not going to be confessing him in front of other people. This is my God. This is my Savior. This is my Lord. It says right here that if you confess God Christ before men, he will confess you before his Father, which is in heaven. But verse 33 says, But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. So one of the characteristics of, of Christians, of born-again people, is we love God so much that even if we're going to suffer embarrassment for, for His cause, even if we're going to suffer shame or opposition for His cause, we're willing to admit that we are Christians, that we know God and that we love God. There are two verbs that we see twice in those two verses. We see confess and we see deny. If you confess Jesus, you're publicly declaring your belief in Him. You're proclaiming that you belong to Christ because He's purchased you by His blood on the cross. If you confess, men, uh, you confess before men that you are Christ's, then Christ will confess you before God the Father. However, if you deny that you belong to Christ, then Christ will deny that you belong to Him before the Father. Now this truth is repeated in 2 Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to turn there too. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 11 and 12. It says, It is a faithful saying, 
Okay, yeah, there we are. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Now, I wonder where the Apostle Paul got these words. <laughs> Sounds exactly like what Jesus was saying, right? Uh, uh, these words sound like what Jesus repeated several times in the gospel. If we lose our lives, we'll, we'll save them. And Paul, moved by the Holy Spirit, adds, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Now, in this, these two verses, we see three if-then clauses. Okay, What is an if-then clause, right? Say, if is the condition... Then is what is going to happen if those conditions are met, right? So I could go up to Isaac and I say, if you look at me like that again, I'm going to punch you in the nose, right? All right, if you say that again, I'm going to punch you in the nose. So what does he need to do in order to get punched in the nose? Look at me again, right? Say that again, right? So if he does that, then he gets punched in the nose. So let's look at this. There are actually three if-then clauses in this verse. Okay, so it says, uh, the first if-then, it says, if we are dead with Christ, what's the then? Let's see, wait, wait, verse number three. If we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. If we be dead with Him, then we shall also live with Him. So here's a question. How are we going to be able to live with Christ, according to this verse? We need to be dead with Him, right? We must die with Him. This is, again, talking about self-denial, dying to self, right? And then here's another question. What will hinder us from living with Christ, according to verse 11? What will hinder us from living with Christ? Not, not dying with Christ, right? Not dying with Christ. And then there's a second if-then uh, clause. It says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. So here's a question. What should we do in order to reign with Christ? We need to suffer for Him. Take up our cross. Follow Him. What should we avoid doing in order to not reign with Christ? Avoid suffering for Christ, right? Living as we want. And then the third, that's two, the third if-then statement is, if we deny Him, then He will deny us. So here's a question. What should we do to guarantee that Christ will deny us? Deny Him. And what should we do so that Christ will not deny us? Not deny Him. We should confess Him before men. I'm looking now at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verses 8 and 9. Jesus says, Also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied of the angels of God. It's, it's a re repetition. He's saying the same thing. Same thing he says here in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 9. Now one more place, the last place, Luke chapter 10, or Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And I want you to see this, verses 9, 9 through 11. It says, Romans 10, 9 through 11, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now there are many people that believe that these, this 
confession here that's talked about in these verses is a, is a prayer that someone has to pray in order to be saved. They call it a, a sinner's prayer, and they, they make sure that people pray a, a special prayer in order to get saved. And I'm not, I'm not saying that whenever people get saved, they don't pray a prayer. But, but what, is, what, what they say is that they, these verses are proof that someone must pr- pray a prayer in order to, to be saved, right? But that is not the case with this text. Because this text, this confession that's mentioned here in Romans chapter 10 is not a prayer. It's a confession of Christ before men, right? Just like in Matthew chapter 10, just like in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Luke chapter 12, and Luke chapter 9 here in our text. It's a public profession of faith. It's about someone declaring their newfound faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. How do we know this? Well, verse number 11 says, For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Right? If you're a Christian, you're going to confess Jesus. It's not talking about a prayer. It's talking about confessing Christ before those around you, before the world. It's a public confession of faith. This is not teaching that someone is not saved until they do something. Uh, That would be a works-based salvation, such as, say, a public profession of faith. What this is teaching is that those who are born again, publicly confess Christ before men. They, they're, not, they're not ashamed of Christ. They don't deny Christ. Why is that the case? Because verse 11 says that if you believe on Christ, you won't be ashamed of Him. If you're ashamed of Him, you're not acting as a Christian should. That's not what a Christian does. A true Christian boldly proclaims their faith in Christ. Now, that was our introduction. Let's jump into verse number 26. Let's read it again. Verse 26 in Luke chapter 9. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. This verse is talking about being ashamed. In this context, since we've already looked at the other texts that are similar to ours, we understand that to be ashamed means to feel embarrassed on behalf of someone else. So instead of someone openly confessing that Jesus is Lord, they're afraid, they're embarrassed to say that publicly, to do that publicly. One, is, one who is ashamed of Christ denies Him publicly. Now notice in verse number 26, the person that's described here is not just ashamed of Christ, but he's also ashamed of Christ's words, right? It says, whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words. Christ's words are what? His his teachings, right? His teachings are recorded where? In the Bible, are they not, right? If someone is ashamed of some teachings of the Bible, that is just as bad as being ashamed of Christ himself. The Bible teaches us uh, that there, there, there are some things, uh, uh, the Bible teaches some things that are very contradictory to the world around us, right? Psalm 119, verses 105, uh, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto our path. What is a lamp to our feet and what is a light to our, fa- our path? God's word, right? The Bible is a lamp in this dark world for us. Now, why would you need a lamp? Because it's dark and you don't know where you're going, right? The Bible lights the way for believers. It shows us God's will. It shows us what we should do. 2 Peter 1.19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark 
place. The Bible is like a light that shines in a dark place. We have no idea what God wants us to do. We would have no idea what God would want us to do if there was no Bible. But the Bible shines out God's Word, shines out God's will. It's a light in a dark place. The light of God's Word shines brightly so that we can see the way that we need to go. Now, so far, we've seen that we should not be ashamed of Christ and of Christ's words. We should not be ashamed of Christ because of all that He has done for us. We should not be ashamed of Christ's words, uh, the teachings of the Bible, because He loves us and He wants the best for us. His teachings steer us away from death and destruction to a life of happiness. And another thing that I want to note about being ashamed of Christ and His teachings that's mentioned here in our text is that the state of being ashamed here is describing not just one time or not just uh, every once in a while being ashamed, but it's, it's a, uh, what, what's known as a soul-damning denial of Christ. Not the sort of temporary wavering like we saw with Peter. Do you remember Peter, right? Three times he denied Christ, didn't he? Three times he was ashamed of Christ. Now, we don't believe that Peter lost his salvation and then he had to get saved again, right? Or maybe he wasn't saved in the first place. No, we, don't, we believe that Peter was a Christian, and so we see that even, even Christians can get to a place where, where they can be ashamed of Christ. But this is not the, the, the trajectory of their life, right? The Bible does not teach that one can lose their salvation. It, doesn't teach, it does teach that many professors are not actual possessors. And because of that, they will not live the life that they were called to, as, as we see here in our text. So these people, they didn't lose their salvation. They were never saved in the first place. But the Bible also teaches that Christians struggle with sin. We don't, we, don't, we don't run into sin like we did before, but we do struggle with sin. I had a guy in Ukraine uh, that came to me and he said, man, I'm, I'm really struggling because I don't think I'm saved. And I said, why, why, why is it that you don't think you're saved? He said, because I'm, I'm struggling with this certain sin in my life. And he was describing the struggle in his life. And he said, man, I, I, I confess it. I repent of it. And I do fine for a little bit. And then I'll fall back into it again. And then I'll, I'll, I'll catch myself in it and I'll, God, God will shake me up and I'll, I'll pray and I'll confess that sin and I'll go for it. And I said, you know what? It's interesting. What, 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 is, what is, is taking away your assurance of faith should actually be the thing that gives you assurance of your faith. Because the very fact that you're struggling with your sin is evidence of the fact that God is in you and God is seeking to, to make you more and more like Jesus Christ. So it doesn't mean that you're never going to struggle with sin if you're a Christian. You are going to struggle with sin. In fact, the fact that you're struggling with sin and the fact that you're seeking to try to live as Christ teaches us to live, this is actually proof of the fact that you are a Christian. Now, if you excuse your sin or if you think it's no big deal, if there's no, that's not a big problem. I don't even need a, I don't, it's not that big of a deal. It's not hurting me or anything. That's, that's a tendency that, that uh, should not be with Christians. That seems like something that a non-Christian would do. But a Christian, after they sin, the Bible teaches that they will be disciplined by God. And if they're not disciplined by, by God, then the Bible says they're not His. That's what Hebrews chapter 12 says. And we could read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, but it says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. It says, For whom the Lord loves, He corrects, even as the Father the Son in whom He delights. So if God loves you, if you're God's Son, guess what? 
You're gonna, if you fall in sin, God will correct you. God will discipline you, just as a loving father would discipline his children. But then it goes on to say, if you're without chastisement, if God's not disciplining you, then what does that mean? That means you're not God's. You're not God's kid. I don't have any, I mean, I, I really want to beat some of Brother, Brother uh, uh, Roland's kids, you know? I mean, I just, they just need it, right? They need to be disciplined. I'm just kidding. All right, you guys realize I'm joking, right? But I have no authority to, to discipline his children. I have, no, I have no right to discipline his children. That's, that's his responsibility. That's his prerogative, right? I don't discipline other people's kids, right? You look kind of worried. All right, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not planning anything, okay? But I can discipline that girl right there, right? I can discipline her. That, but, but here we see if you're without discipline, then that means you're not one of God's kids, and then it says in verse 11 that no chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. That means that no one likes getting punished. No one likes being disciplined. But what that does is it teaches us what God's will is for our life and it teaches us how to live better, how to live in a way that w- that's good for us and that glorifies God. Christians can fall into sin. But whenever they do, their loving Heavenly Father corrects them. They repent of their sins, confessing them to God. God forgives them of their sins and cleanses them from all unrighteousness. Born-again believers can and do sin, but they don't seek after sin. They don't live in that sin. Their life is not marked by sin. I heard this illustration a, a few years ago that really helped me. And he said, Let's say there was a couple, uh, you know, a husband and a wife, and they wake up late for work one day. And the husband jumps out of bed, and he expects his wife to, to make him breakfast like she normally does and get his coffee ready and, and all that kind of stuff for him. And, and she just woke up uh, as well, and so he's rushing out the door, and she didn't get uh, anything done, but maybe she made him a coffee to go. And, and he's rushing out the door, and he's not very happy. She's not very happy with what's going on. And, and as he's running out the door, she says, hey, babe, take out the trash while you're at it. And he, he gets mad. He says, what, what are you talking about? I'm busy. I got to get to work. You didn't have my breakfast ready. You didn't have this ready. You didn't have that ready. I had to do all this. And now you want me to take out the trash? And he yells at his wife because she tells him to take out the trash. And then he gets in the car and he's driving to work. And the whole time he's driving to work, he's saying, man, my wife, she's ridiculous. Can you believe her? She, she thinks that, that I should do all of this and she doesn't want to do anything and she's ridiculous. You know, she's, anyways, the whole time he gets bitter and, and, and everything and, and and he says, now, the difference between a, a, a Christian reaction and a non-Christian reaction would not be that the, the husband may, may not, I mean, would not be the fact that the husband would withhold from yelling at his wife. Maybe he did. Let's say maybe the same thing happens, just like I said, and, and they go through the morning and she tells him to take out the trash. And he says, what are you talking about, woman? You don't know what you're talking about. I'm busy. And he yells at her and he leaves and uh, gets in the car and you know what? The Holy Spirit starts working in his heart. Man, you shouldn't have yelled at your wife. You shouldn't have treated her like that. She was up late with the kids last night, and maybe she's not feeling well. And you know, Anyways, and, and he realizes that he's wrong. And instead of justifying and saying, well, she should have done this, and she should he calls his sin, sin. And he calls up his wife, and he says, babe, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have treated you that way. Will you forgive me? So the, the, the difference between a Christian and someone who's not a Christian is not that a Christian doesn't sin, but it's when a Christian sins, 
They seek restoration. They seek forgiveness. And we don't seek to sin. We will fall into sin uh, and our lives aren't characterized by sin. But whenever we do, we seek restoration. We call out to God. We call out to those that we've wronged. We call our sin, sin. We don't try to, to say it wasn't as bad as you think it was. We call sin a sin. And then we seek to live for the Lord. So uh, this being ashamed of Christ, what do you think? Is that a sin? I think it's a sin, right? I think the Bible teaches it's a sin, all right? Uh, a Christian could theoretically fall into that sin of being ashamed of Christ. But after a Christian acts that way, what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to start working on him. He's going to feel sorry for that sin. He's not going to justify that sin. He's going to repent of that sin and seek to not make that mistake again. That's exactly what happened with Peter, was it not? Right after the, the, third, the third time the cock... Crew, cockadoodle dude. How do you say that? And crowed. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm from Oklahoma. We don't even know, so we just make up stuff. Crow, crowed, crew, crew. Okay. After the cock crew the third time, um, uh, then uh, yeah. Thank you guys very much. You guys need to help me out with my with my English. After that happened, whatever happened after that happened the third time, uh, what happened? He was hurt in his heart. He said, how in the world could I have done that? My Savior, my Christ, and I, and I denied him, right? And he repented of that denial, and he didn't live being ashamed of Christ. Yes, that was characteristic for a certain time in his life, but he repented, and he went on. And then just a few days later, just a little over a month later, he's boldly in front of thousands of people declaring that Jesus who you killed he is the Lord, right? So this being ashamed in our text is not a one-time thing that a Christian can fall into like in the case of Peter. This is talking about a life that is characterized by being ashamed of Christ. Because they're ashamed of Christ, they cannot confess Him before men. Whenever everyone else is talking bad about God, they cannot stand up for their Lord. They're ashamed. The Bible says here that if we are ashamed of Christ and of His words... It says, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. If we're going to be ashamed of Christ, the Bible says, Christ will be ashamed of us. If we don't confess before men that Christ is our Lord, then Christ will not confess that we are his before God the Father. That's what it says here when it says, when he shall come in his own glory and in the fathers and in the holy angels. This is talking about judgment day. This is talking about the final day. This is talking about the, the great white throne judgment, the, the great and terrible day of God's wrath and anger for sin. And on that day, those who were ashamed of Christ, it says right here, they're going to be cast into a lake of fire for all eternity. This is very serious. If you're ashamed of Christ, Christ will be ashamed of you. Now, this verse is only stated in the positive. Or, 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 yeah, sorry, it's not stated in the positive. It's only stated in the negative. Now let's reread it and let's change it and let's change it to the positive. So it says, it says, verse number 26, For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come into his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. So let's change it. For whosoever will not be ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man not be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. Because the converse is true. So if we are ashamed of Christ and God's going to be, Christ's going to be ashamed of us before God the Father, 
But if we confess Christ before men, then Christ will confess us before, uh, before God the Father. That's good news, right? If you are not ashamed of Christ in the Bible, then Christ will not be ashamed of you. If you confess that Christ is your Lord before men, then Christ will confess that you are His before God the Father. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. A characteristic of a Christian is we, we should be bold witnesses. We should not be ashamed of Christ's gospel. Uh, uh, Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth. Can you imagine that? Okay, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Can you imagine seeing a guy running like, like crazy down this, down this road, and you stop and you say, What's going on? He says, I don't know, I'm just scared, right? Like, well, what, what, caused, what caused you to be scared? I don't know, I just, I just felt scared and I started running, right? So the, he doesn't have a lion that's chasing him, he's just running, right? He's scared. The wicked flees when no man pursueth. It says, but the righteous are as bold as a lion, right? That's how we should be. We shouldn't be ashamed. We shouldn't be scaredy cats. We should be bold as a lion. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. But what kind of spirit? Of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then it says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. So because God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, you shouldn't be ashamed of Him, right? You should not be ashamed of Him. You shouldn't be uh, 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 ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Now, uh, again, I, I try... Uh, I, I always try to, um, whenever I use a, an example from my own life, I, I try to use it in, in, a, in a negative way. But every once in a while, I'll, I'll use it in a positive way. And I don't want you to think that, oh, Daniel's so great because he's telling you this story. But it's Daniel's God is so great, and he gives him grace whenever he needs it. And so praise the Lord, in this situation, I was able to, to glorify God. But you guys, uh, some of you know our situation, that we were in Russia. And when we were in Russia, we were, we were kicked out of the country after two years of being there. Well, uh, one night I was in, this, in the city uh, uh, that we were working in, in the center of the city, and, and uh, they rounded me up, they, they arrested me, and they took me in for an interrogation. And uh, it, it, was, it was a crazy situation. It was, it was, it was in the evening. It was, uh, everything was frozen. We go outside of the city, and then uh, the, the outside, uh, just, just outside the city. And we go just outside the city, and then there's these huge walls, huge walls, probably 20 feet high. And then on top of the walls, there's these big old razor wires over the top. And then uh, it was crazy. There was those guard towers, and then the guards had to come down and open the gates for us and then shut. And then I went in, and, and then they, they led me up to a top room and into this bare-looking room with, with one light bulb right in the middle, kind of like what you'd see on a movie. And then, and then there's, there's, there's two interrogators, and they're trying to get me to, to uh, tell them what I was doing there in, in, in Russia and things like that, trying to find out everything about us. And, you know, they asked me, the, one of the very first questions they asked me is, are you a Christian, right? Are you a Christian? Are you a believer? And, and are you a missionary? Are you, are you uh, evangelizing? Are you seeking to, to teach people about your way and stuff like that? And not, not your way, but about the, what the Bible teaches. And, and I, I uh, praise the Lord, was able to boldly answer yes, yes, to all of those, uh, those questions. And, and, and I've, I've been in one of those really interesting situations where, you know, who knows what, what, uh, what could have happened. But God, praise the Lord, he brought us out of that situation. But I, I know what it's like to, 
to, to, to be in a, a kind of a, a dangerous situation because of the fact that you're a Christian. And, and who knows, maybe God is going to call you to a, a place where you're, where you're going to be in a country similar like that. Or maybe it's going to get the same way here in the United States. Who knows? But we should never be ashamed of Christ, right? I can be ashamed of my sports team, right? Uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys are pretty bad in the playoffs. I'm really happy that we won last night. Right? Praise the Lord. Amen. Do we have any? Okay, no. Don't have any Cowboy fans here. This is probably Philadelphia area. But we're going to beat the Eagles this year. You'll find out. I can be ashamed of my Cowboys. Right? I can be ashamed of my St. Louis Cardinals. Not this year. Not this year, bud. I can be ashamed of my St. Louis Cardinals. I can be ashamed of other things. Right? I can be ashamed of Muskogee. Right? I mean... If you know anything about Muskogee, then you probably know some old country song that drunks sing, right? So I can be ashamed of the town that I'm from, right? But I can't be ashamed of my God that saved me. I can't be ashamed of the one that loved me first. I can't be ashamed of the one that heard my cry and took me out of the pit and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings and put a new song in my heart. I can never be ashamed of the one that gave me life. I can never be ashamed of the one who has saved my soul and blessed me with all these blessings and has guaranteed me a home in heaven. What about you? Are you ashamed of Christ? Are you ashamed of of Christ's words? I hope that your answer is no. I hope that your answer is, I love God. He is my Lord. He's, He's my God. He saved me by His gospel. Because of that... I want to live for him, and, and, and I am his disciple, and I seek to deny myself and take up my cross and follow after him, and I've lost my life for Christ's sake. I, I know the most important thing is knowing and following Christ. I will never be ashamed of Christ. I will live a life of bold service to him. I want to give my best to the one who gave his best for me. Is that your heart? Man, I hope it is. God is so good to us. He has done so much for us, it would be foolish to be ashamed of Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much.